Hi, and welcome to the second installment of Citizens of Nowhere. This week, we'll be talking to Shilpa Bilimoria, the creative director and founder of House of Bilimoria, a luxury upcycle brand making truly bespoke slow fashion. Born in Vancouver, in the west coast of Canada, moved to London, well, moved to Kent in 1998, which was a giant culture shock, um, and then have lived in London ever since. Besides that, I'm the owner of clothing label House of Philomoria, which is slow fashion, conscious fashion, and we specialize in luxury upcycling. Namely, taking vintage and secondhand saris from all my aunties and mum's wardrobe and chopping them to pieces. <laughs> and when did you start with the upcycling? I think that's around like 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old. I started sewing when I was about eight, and that was with bought material. I can definitely remember the first material that my mum and myself went out to go and buy. But then after it was just rummaging to find material and that's where that happened is that my mum had saris that she didn't wear anymore so I just was like oh can I have this please and she said yep I'm not going to wear it and then that was material for me. Did you always incorporate that into your practice like as a designer or has that developed in sort of like a retrospective going back to what you started from? So that's, I mean, it's, it's really funny that you say that that way, because that's kind of exactly what happened. So I was then, so from about 12 until I would say 2006, always using saris in the work, vintage saris, secondhand saris, was doing that. And then it hit about 2000 and 2008 when I launched the label is when I went and sourced materials. So I went and got block print from Calcutta, all ethically produced um, things, fair trade fabrics, and then the others were sourced in Cambodia. You know, so I went and sourced materials, kind of falling into the... trying to do fashion, basically. Doing it ethically, doing it slow fashion, but still, you know, I felt the need that I had to have then the ability to make 20 of a garment if somebody ordered it. So then I slipped into that. And then from there, that kind of carried on. So I basically stopped using saris and things in 2008 when I launched the label. And then the label itself took its own kind of journey. And we went from then having about three or four collections, then people knocking on our door and saying, that, can you make this up for us? And that was small labels. That was other designers coming and saying, you have the skill, can you pattern cut this, can you sample this, can you produce this? So then we were producing collections alongside production for other designers, so white labeling. And then in 2016, I discovered that my soul was kind of lost in that helm of trying to be slow fashion, but actually producing something that was a little bit about, not about fast fashion, because all those brands were quite small, 
um, but it wasn't passionate anymore for me and like I kind of lost it and then when I came to like design you know I just I didn't know myself anymore um, and then 2016 we closed one studio and then had a year break opened up this one in earlier this year 2018 and that's when like it kind of just all came back like you said as a res retrospective it just kind of came right back and it was like upcycling is what what we do you know that was that and we launched our children's wear line and that was using like vintage curtains and chintz curtains and stuff and then as soon as that happened it kind of went from it went from like the babies back up again and I kind of was like oh my gosh I know what I do and that's upcycling and then the women's wear and bespoke kind of came back with the saris and vintage textiles yeah, and I feel like a lot of what you make is actually very textile-based. I kind of always wondered, like... Because a lot of people do very, like, minimalist clothing and, like, textiles kind of have nothing to do with it. It's more like the shape. But, like, how do you think the textiles affect your practice? Yeah, so mine's probably exactly that opposite way around because I source the textile first and then I decide what garment that's going to go into. So I look at a print and immediately, like, if it's a super ditzy floral on a vintage silk sari you know I can immediately envision what kind of flounces and frills and ruffles that will look good in or if it's like a really abstract big print or then if there's zari work on a sari that I'm going to cut away and put so it's really my designs are really based on what textile I find and what's going to give that textile life in a really beautiful way that one really sees oh my gosh that's really beautiful fabric um, yeah, so it's more all it's more about what is this sorry, what is this vintage textile, um, and how can it be you know brought back to life beautifully, um, rather than just kind of used for one of my designs. If that makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's perfect. Like the whole like, using thing. I know we've talked before about all the people that like go to India and like source all these clothes and then resell it kind yeah. of to very much their own benefit but without much context of who actually made the clothing or why this clothing is important or if there's any like context to it I mean like a lot of clothing has like ritual aspects as well yeah um and I was just wondering like do you find that you have to compete against that or do you have a completely different audience for that or yeah that's a that's like a fine line there, like a really fine line. Um, I think that the clothes that I make appeal definitely to people that appreciate the textiles, definitely, and really appreciate prints and florals and colorways and stuff because, it, and that's just by hearing what people say. They come up and they're like, oh my goodness, I love this fabric. And that's how I can tell there's an appreciation of that fabric um, versus just, grabbing something because it kind of fits into my sense of style or design or is going to target a certain consumer market. It, and it's been really difficult throughout the years with that. I think that you always have this thing where you think, you, I was like looking there like, oh my gosh, this, this designer is using these prints and look, they've taken off and they're super amazing and they're doing... But what was always happening there is I think that for me especially, this is my journey as like a soul and like ancestrally this is my journey you know so it's a lot to do with where I come from what my grandparents did what their parents did 
you know, and that's what trickles through my work, I think, and that's that's what's beginning to show now, and I'm I'm like fine with speaking about, and I share that journey that the clothes that I produce is much more about creating a legacy of what we do rather than this is a really cool print. It's really look pretty and it's going to look nice in a dress and then that's it for like a season and it's gone, you know? There's a few, um, lately I've, I've, you know, come into touch with, there is like a good group of people with diversity that's, that we're kind of all coming together and, you know, speaking about, you know, our heritage and how we can make that stand out in the media rather than hiding and fitting into you know, what we have to conform into to be successful. So rather like going and shouting about what we're proud of, who we are, and taking that to the masses rather. And I find a huge, huge love for that between those people. Like when I share like, in your wardrobe, you must have loads of your aunties and grandmother's saris. And you see people like, oh, oh my God, yes, that's amazing. You know, like that, rather than it being like, well, let's pretend that this was never a sari before. And that it's not about that. It definitely is about saying that this was a sari before or this, children's garment was a chintz curtain before you know I'm not hiding that and I wouldn't I wouldn't hide that for people to know that that's where it came from and probably this you know this sari was worn by many people before or you know has had a journey before it became this garment and I think that's part of why people like upcycling as well I think we're we like the whole story around the garment and it's I think it's like people that are a bit nostalgic like it as well you know, people who do like that heirloom, like that's, I think that's like people that I want to kind of emerge now is that people who love to discover that, like look at where is their journey, who are their ancestors, where have they come from, and then incorporate that because I don't know if you have this, but then when you when you go and you land in a certain country, you have like this roots, like I feel like I, I put my feet down and suddenly the roots from my feet, like, you know, you can feel this like planting when you go somewhere. And I feel like, I feel like part of what I'm doing like that, if you put on, if I, for say, put on something that, you know, number one, I haven't made, you know, I feel fine, but there's a part of me that doesn't feel like completely rooted or I just feel like a little lost person walking along. But if I am then wearing something that I've made has some meaning, I, I rock, like rock the day much better than, you know, I would if I was just wearing some piece of fast fashion from the company. <laughs> Do you feel like your dresses kind of maybe people that would be apprehensive to wear a sari because they're like they just don't feel in touch with that part of their heritage would be more comfortable wearing like one of your creations that like might have been a sari at one point and is now translated into something more modern yeah definitely it's opening up and people are now starting to embraced it a lot more like looking and actually looking like they've looked once twice a third time and then now are saying yes I really need to get this done you know I've had visited a couple of homes now of people who have now opened up their wardrobes and we've gone through like filtering what can work as what and it's, it's really beautiful you know now people making use of all that especially like a whole other side of that is the waste in the industry and the textile like the amount of textiles we must have sitting in all of our wardrobes you know, as South Asians or not, I think that we've got loads. I know that different, you know, every every culture has some sort of a textile trail, let's say, that we, we have, like, be it, like, tablecloths or curtains or bed linen or something like that. You know, there's always something with our heritage tied to textile, you know, that is around, I think. Yeah, that was a really big thing. And I remember... In class this year, we learned about um, all the people that migrated to Ellis Island, and 
like something that this one photographer noted is that no matter how little possessions people had, they would always bring their traditional clothes with them. Yeah. So they'd literally have like nothing, but they brought their most like luxurious textiles and everything. And I just I really hope that all of that is like stashed away in some like little New York grandma's apartment. Like exactly, I really right? hope that people are holding on to all this. Exactly. And I definitely still have all my little like Swiss outfits. They're like so hilarious. Yeah. They're like green velvet dresses. They've got such a life inside them. They've got so much story inside them. They've got so much meaning inside them and that's the thing that's so beautiful. And there's a kind of like a fine line between like assimilation and like keeping that heritage and then like you might yeah, I don't know. There's something really nice about clothes that get changed over and over. And also that like that constant migration is also like what makes the fashion industry, like the even like just Dutch wax prints and how that's yeah, exactly. not from one country. I mean it's now like associated to Nigeria and West Africa, but it has to do with the like Dutch trade and like is now also so big in London, like you can't really walk around London without seeing people wearing like Dutch wax print and how it's like a mode of communication. Um, do you ever do your own prints? Like did you I, I used to do um, not digital print, I did screen print. Uh, at university and then lately what I did is I was taking vintage and secondhand curtains and then printing on top of them so block printing I've had to go at like a bit of block printing and stuff which is something I want to explore a lot more but in the future I think to come uh, I think we'll do some ranges with and the prints will be more about kind of taking that textile adding a layer to it as such kind of making it new so adding a new story to that base and bringing it to life again, you know? Because um, a lot of the work that I do, you have to look at how to restore textiles to keep the life in them and stuff, you know? Um, a lot of the older materials do last longer because they have last the test of time, but cer certainly we're going to start having those that don't have that much stay in them anymore and weren't produced with that longevity in mind. And those ones perhaps can use a bit of layering. Like upgrading clothes rather than just like getting rid of something and buying a new... Yeah, 100%. I mean, I have a, a large number of clients that repair and repair and repair. And, um, you know, you don't want to say too much about something like that. But a lot of these clients could could go out and just buy something new if they wanted to. But no, they're, they're going to repair this thing because this blazer or this pair of trousers or t-shirt or something is one that they really love. And... You know, actually, when you buy something with quality and have had it a long while, you're that much more attached to it. How many years kind of you've had it for? Uh, definitely that there is. I feel that the audience is growing, definitely. The term upcycle itself is now like everyone knows what it means. You know, it's, it's not that it's not unknown anymore. There's repair cafes cropping up. I find so many people come to me and say, oh, I wish I could sew or I wish I could do that. Or, you know, there's people that can't sew a button on. You know, for me, like, I don't also sometimes give value or realize that what I can do, not everybody can do. Sometimes I look like this is normal because I've kind of just grown into it and been able to do it ever since I was so, so big. I think like, oh, everyone can do it. How does it kind of relate to trends? Because sometimes I think some people are afraid that this sustainability wave that we're really feeling right now is a trend, but also it means that what you're making doesn't need to fit into a trend. You make pieces that have to be timeless. And yeah. I don't know, how does that affect 
when you're designing something, do you ever think about like what's currently on the runways, or are you more? You know what it used to, and now, I I feel like I've I've reached uh, reached home almost like I've come back I've come through a whole circle like we've been ten years now in this and we've made like a full circle and come back home, and in a way that just says to me that there is a timeless elegance. It's more about what each individual looks good and feels good in. Body shape is something that um, varies from person to person and certain cuts and things. There are those cuts that are always going to be around regardless of trend, you know, fad, whatever it is that comes up. So actually now at this point in time, we're more focused on just creating clothing that's super beautiful, super well-made and classics. Also the repair element is like, your customers will always come back. Yeah. Because they're not going to go to the next person to get another dress. They'll come back to you to fix the dress. And even just that is like a more sustainable business model. I mean, this is why people used to buy like luxury goods is because like you could get them fixed all the time. And now we just don't have that culture anymore. Or we're slightly going back to that culture. I, I like to kind of coin the term like bringing back the day of the dressmaker. Like I like when one part of like vintage, like when I go to vintage fairs and you know, going and looking at secondhand stuff is crawling through and then finding those looks from the 60s and 70s, 50s even, even before that, but looking at them and thinking you can really see the hands behind this when you look at the stitches, when you look at things that it's not just mass produced, that you can see in that garment one person has taken it from start to finish, like you can see the order and the stitching, you can see, you know, just that element of, of life inside there. And I think people are starting to become in touch with that. And we offer that when some, when you're done with something, you'll come back to us and then we'll upcycle it on further. And then we'll take 30% off the next thing that you're you know, purchasing or having upcycled. Um, so that then that thing that we've done once is not gonna just disappear. You know, what I really want is that our clothes just keep going and going and going. I hope as I get older, I'll be buying things because there's a reason to buy them. And I yeah. feel like you're making things that there's a reason to purchase or to engage with even just you as a brand. And like, if there is that whole like, oh, my garment can then be upcycled and there's like a relationship, like there's just so many brands to choose from and there's so many, like so much stuff to choose from. Conscious consumerism. Yeah. You know, I think that we're, we're have, we have a change with food now. Like, and that's, that's really like out there and apparent, like vegan cafes and, you know, like choosing the kind of food that we eat, where does our food come from? How is it grown and stuff? And, you know, I have some friends who are vegan and it was quite funny is that we had a conversation and I said but are your clothes vegan and they're like huh what do you mean and I said well do you know if, if people were harmed in, in, <laughs> in the making of your clothes you know yeah. like and it was like that relativity like do you even do you think that deeply and do people think that deeply about their clothing or their goods yet you know like their material objects yet it's now like the re- next revolution that's happening right you have the industrial revolution and like technology has come up and you have all the rise of digital printing and you know now it's time for the next revolution and that is well you can call it fashion revolution which is you know our sustainable secondhand first but it, it it's so needed there's just so so much mm-hmm. too much <laughs>